jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered for Soaring through the air! High-flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. Phone lines are open for the first 45 minutes of the show at 315-437-7644. At 1245, we'll welcome in Katie Sweet. She's the communications manager for the V Foundation. V Week at ESPN underway today and running through next week. So we'll get her thoughts on, on what ESPN has planned uh, for the great work that the V Foundation uh, does this week and, and throughout the entire year. And then we hope to get Jerry McNamara on during hour number two. The team is practicing as we speak. We normally have Jerry on at 12.30 on Tuesday. Uh, they're wrapping up practice around 1 or one thirty, So it's going to be a tight window as they get set to leave for Columbus, Ohio in a big game tomorrow night against the uh, now 16th-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. So we hope to get Jerry on uh, before the end of the show. But again, full lines are open for this the first 45 minutes or so, and then we can take calls in the second hour as well at 315-437-7644. We'll talk some basketball. We'll talk some NFL. It is Tuesday, so we got to get to our top five and bottom five um, NFL power rankings. We begin with, with Q's football, though, and, and this is something that, I've been thinking about the last several days, Seth, and I know I mentioned it on the show yesterday. I want to get more into it today. So I mentioned yesterday that this season has changed what I think the ceiling can be of Syracuse football. And I don't think this is an overreaction, but you know, going into the year, we fought over whether or not they were going to get to five or six wins. I said six wins. I was adamant about it. Expectations are higher this year. You said five wins. Same old Syracuse. All right. Yes. Well, they've blown past both of those predictions. Yes, they have. They're at nine wins. They have a chance to get to ten wins. And you look back on how this season played out, and I know you can't say, well, if this happened, that happened. But just for a moment, if you look back at that Clemson game, if one play goes differently, even if they lose to Pitt and Notre Dame, if one play goes differently, they're playing for the ACC title this week. And they're probably in the top ten. I'll be honest with you. I didn't think this was was possible, even in a good year. I, I didn't think this team had, this program in the ACC had the ability to legitimately compete for division titles and for conference titles and, shall we even say, the college football playoff. I didn't think it was possible. I thought they could. I didn't think they could do it this quickly. Like I, You I, saw a day when they would compete for the college football they, playoff. I mean, I, I thought that the ceiling, the absolute ceiling, and I didn't think that they would actually get there, is to be competing for the the conference title. And if you win the ACC, I think you're going to the college football playoff. So, in theory, sure. Okay. Well, I guess, you know, if you say, is there a chance? There's always a chance. It's... It, <laughs> It's those light, you know, you catch lightning in a bottle and you, okay, fine. Once in a lifetime, 
they right. knock on the door of the college thought, football playoff. I thought the realistic ceiling, as we've talked about a lot, is eight, nine wins a year. Every once in a while, you bump up to 10, maybe to 11. You catch Clemson on a down year. You end up winning the Atlantic. And that's when things go great. Right. Lightning in a bottle, you can knock on the door of the college football playoff. Exactly. Third year into the Dino Babers era, and and they were they were knocking on the door. I mean, they you know some things had to happen for the for them to have a legitimate chance this year. And unfortunately, you know, Clemson came back and won that game, and then they lost to Pitt the next week. Um, and the Notre Dame game didn't go well, but they had a chance. Like they had a legitimate chance this year of you know playing into the top ten, and and maybe if things broke right, had a chance at the college football playoff. And and I didn't think it was okay. Did I think it was possible? Fine. It's possible. Did I think it was realistic? No. Not even a little bit. I and certainly didn't think it was remotely realistic this year. Correct. I mean, you you said they were going to win five games. I so know. Of course you didn't think it was remotely realistic. Nobody did. Okay, nobody did. Um, maybe the coaches thought this could happen. I mean, Dino's had success in other places where he's gone in there, he's he's turned the culture around in a short period of time, and, and they've been able to win and win big, and so he was, you know... In his first job for two years, and then left, and then he was in his second job for two years, and then he left, and now here he is at Syracuse. He went from you know Eastern Illinois to Bowling Green. Now he's at Syracuse, and he's in his third year, and he's he's shown that everywhere he goes, he has the ability to do this. So maybe he believed it. Maybe the players believed it. I don't know. I know that I didn't believe it. Um, you didn't believe it. I, I don't think any you know SU fans believed it, if they're being honest with themselves. So I guess my question is, it feels like, right now anyway, that this is the exception to the rule, or at least the way that we had we had thrown it out there at the beginning of the year. Every once in a while, they can get to nine or ten wins. Every once in a while, they can compete for divisional titles. So that would be the exception, right? So based on that, this is the exception. However, now that we've lived through it, and when you look at the youth that is in this program, the talent that is in this program now, the fact that you you know who your quarterback is next year. This isn't even a case where you lose your four-year starter and then, all right, now what? You have the heir apparent in Tommy DeVito. You have a lot of young talent on this roster. As you always point out, your best running back and wide receiver might not be even on the field this year, might be waiting to play next year. So is it truly the exception, or can this be the rule for Syracuse football, can nine and three, eight and four, ten and two, can that be the rule and not the exception? I think it can. I think it can. I think uh, there's no reason not to think that you can consistently win eight, nine games, spike up to ten, spike up to eleven. You know, on on the really good years, I think it can be uh, kind of where you're at. And I know, I know that before the year you, you talked to Dino Babers and he brought up Stanford. I mean, what's Stanford doing every year? Stanford's winning eight, nine games a year. You know, even, even in quote unquote down years, they're at seven. So I, I don't think that it's insane to say, yeah, they could win eight, nine games a year. Yeah. They, they can do this. I mean, look at their schedule and, and we brought it up yesterday. The schedule next year is not any more difficult than it is this year. You know, the schedule doesn't look any better. You've still got a Louisville program that's in shambles. You've still got a Florida State uh, program that's finding itself. You've got a Maryland team coming in that is going to be a mess. I mean, you, you've you got opportunities next year to keep this momentum going. And as you said, you know your quarterback, your wide receiver, your your running back are there. I, I mean, I, I think that... Uh, I think that things are built for success here. I, I don't think it's built for one year and then and then flame out. I, I think that things are legitimately built for success for this program moving forward. What's the big 
Caveat, though. Health or Dino Stang? Well, or both? Both, but I was more so going with Dino Stang. Because you say it's it's built for success. Yeah, one guy built this. Like, Dino has built this. And, and that's why it's so very important that, that you hang on to him. And I know you said yesterday you're not concerned he's leaving because USC's keeping Clay Helton. Yeah, I'm kicking um, it down the road for at least a year. And that's fine. I mean, there are other possibilities like Urban Meyer at Ohio State. If he leaves, there will be a trickle-down effect with that job. Lincoln Riley, if he leaves, there will be a trickle-down effect. Um, so that it's there are other opportunities that, that may open. Um, but I, I understand what you're saying. Whether he... It's important to keep him long term, I guess. Is you know, you could say, well, he's fine this year. I, I know that, you know, next year he will continue to be a hot commodity and it, it will be it will be hard to it will be hard to Can you also I guess, argue stem the tide with that? Yeah. I, I agree with you and, and, and I agree that he is a key cog, the key cog in making this thing move. Can't you also argue and and I I, I wanna say we had this debate uh, not you know me and you personally. Shortly after Dino got hired, when everybody was freaking out about this, couldn't you argue that even if he leaves, the program's in a good enough place that they can attract somebody relatively interesting and somebody who who's a a good enough coach that could kind that that could keep this thing moving along, that could come in and run a similar system. I mean, there are other there are other in theory there are other air raid coaches. There, there are other coaches who spread you out and play fast and and play with tempo. Um, and and I know that a lot of what Dino has done has been culture based, but. I think that given the success they've had on the field, this job is so much more attractive than the last three times it's come open. Like so, so, so. Regardless of and and look, it would, it would be a setback. It, it would be a setback. Like, don't get me wrong. But given the work that he's put in and getting to nine wins this year, and and in theory getting to eight wins again next year or nine wins again next year, I mean, you're you're putting yourself in a position where you're you're at least an attractive job again. Yes, you are more attractive than when they hired Doug Marone, when they hired Scott Schaefer. Um, let's not forget when Coach P was let go. I mean, they hired a guy with two Super Bowl rings. Like they, they thought they found what they thought was an attractive candidate, right? And he turned out to be awful, right? So just because you get the candidate you want doesn't mean it's going to work. Doesn't mean he is going to work. No, you have a guy here that, that very that much works. So hang on to him as long as you can. Yeah, no, and it's going to no, be I hard. I agree with you. Right. It's going to My point is is that it's I I and I get what you're saying. Yes, the the program is better off. It's better it's it's in a better position now than it than it's been since 2001. Absolutely. Um but the main reason it's better off is because of Dino Babers and if he leaves in my opinion, there's no guarantee that that success will continue. Even if the players stay, there's something about him. I mean, yes. there is, he's charismatic. He can well, recruit. He's and that's got why this I plan. Said, he, that's why I said it's a culture thing. Like, it's not just, hey, he's he's this offensive system. Like, he came in and, and set a tone from that first introductory press conference, and, and that has carried through these last, you know, three-plus years. You know, that there's been a tone that he's set. And and so yeah, that would be different, you know, if if you had to change it up. But like I like I said, I mean, I I think that it's more attractive where you can handpick somebody better than that. I mean, look, like even even you know when Dino got the job, was it that attractive a job? No, but like I I look at say Florida State, Jimbo Fisher leaves. You can have pretty much anyone you want. You are Florida State. You get Willie Taggart. He goes down there, and and I, I'm not gonna say that you know it's. 
it's going to be a disaster. Like, I know that we got to give him a year or two to kind of get his plan in place, but this year has been a disaster. Yes. Jimbo Fisher leaves. It is Florida State with just oozing with four- and five-star guys, and they are not good. And Bobby Petrino, with those facilities and that program, and, and they were you know in, in much better shape than Syracuse, BC, and Wake Forest, and they have been a disaster to the point where they had to fire Bobby Petrino. My, my point is, is that just because you have the players and the infrastructure and you're in a better spot, it doesn't necessarily mean that the next coach is going to keep it going. I mean, look at what's happened at Florida State. Look at what's happened at Louisville. You you look around the ACC. I mean, Miami was so good for so long, and they've fallen off. And these things can go in cycles, but there's no guarantee that if Dino leaves, they keep this thing going. So I I realize it's going to be hard to, you know, keep the suitors away. Um, But if you can show him that that you can win here and win big here, and and I think, again, we we got a glimpse of it this year, that it is possible to win big here. you know, maybe that that helps convince him to stay, along with some some money and facilities and and so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, getting back to the original question, if you can convince a guy that eight nine wins a year is possible, nine wins a year is is the the rule, not the exception. I, I mean, I think that goes a long way. I, I think that that's what was important about this season. That you look and then you look out on the horizon and you say, "All right, I I don't think that Louisville is going to be fixed quickly." Uh, I don't think that Florida State is going to be fixed particularly quickly. I think that I think that Willie Taggart could do it, but I think it's going to take two or three years for Willie Taggart to do that. You know, so the door is so open. The, the door is open to have a solid four or five year run here, and then once you're doing that, you're recruiting a different caliber player, and, and you're you're recruiting a different caliber athlete. Now all of a sudden, after you've had five nine win seasons, four nine win seasons. All of a sudden, things are lining up for you to be a power in this conference. If you ask Clemson today, who are you more worried about next year? Florida State or coming to Syracuse? What do you think the answer is? Coming here. Yeah. Think about There's that. There's no question. Think about that. There's no question. Clemson, the number two ranked team in the country. Look, the only team, the only team outside of Alabama who's played them close the last two years. Has been Syracuse. Right. Back-to-back years. That's my point. The only team that's played them close. That's my point, is that they have established themselves this year as the second-best team. Now, I'm not saying that's going to continue, you know, until the end of time, but the door is open for this thing to continue at least into next year and and maybe the year after that with Louisville and Florida State being down. They're better than Wake. They're better than BC. They're better than Pittsburgh, even though they lost to them this year. Let's go to the phone lines. We've got Scooter in Jamesville. He's been uh, patiently waiting. Scooter's going to kick us off on the show today. Hey, Scooter. Hey guys, you know, I, I, I said before the season, I thought there was nine or ten wins out there. You know, Syracuse was still going to have to win it, but I, I just thought it was the perfect storm. I thought Syracuse was competitive last year. Look at the LSU. Look at the the Miami games. That you know, the Florida State game. And we were, you know, we were competitive, and those games were on the road. Now, now we're going to play our tough games at home this year, and that's why we really thought. There's a legit shot of winning nine games. Our 50-50 games are on the road. We actually won our 50-50 games except for Pittsburgh. Uh, I think it's amazing, and I, I talked to Seth yesterday uh, when, when he was producing the X-Men show. Wouldn't it be amazing that next year Syracuse is highly ranked and Florida State isn't, and for somehow Florida State beats Syracuse, they actually storm the field because they beat Syracuse? <laughs> I think that's the goal. I think yeah. that's the goal of this program that we're going to be the marked team. That'll be the key part next year is that we're not going to sneak up on anybody. And and, and that's going to be the goal is that, hey, we're the ones that are, you know, are, are in the driver's seat. I think you're absolutely right. I look at the ACC next year. 
I don't see I don't see big improvement in Louisville. Florida State, uh, I you know, you know as long as Central Florida and those type of teams kind of pick away a couple of those uh, four star players, they don't get the depth. If they get injuries, they're going to be like Syracuse. And I think that you you know you, you brought back Greg Robinson. And my problem with Greg Robinson was. Our problem was offense. So why are we going for a defensive guy that's never coached before? He brings in Brian Periani, who was the tight ends coach at uh, Denver, who never was an offensive coordinator. That was, you know, that was a train wreck from the start. I mean, no one, you know, no one had experience in doing, you know, you know, doing the thing that they were hired for, head coach and offensive coordinator, and basically set the program back, I don't know, what, five, six years? At least. Yeah, at, yeah, least. at least. And, and now – I agree with you. We have a system, and you know, you know, you know, I'm a Boise State fan, and they have a system, and they hire the people to keep the system going. I mean, they had what three coaches, and and you know, so many offensive coordinators. Like they have nine offensive coordinators in the last eleven years. But you, you know, but the thing is, when they hire the head coach, he's on system. He might hire somebody that has his philosophy, and and if Dino Babers does leave, I agree. You have to hire somebody that's got the person now. Because you can't readjust like it took us to get here, but I think I just can't see Coach Babers leaving when you got the dome and you got warm weather. Next year we have all warm weather games. We have to worry about the Boston College and the Pittsburghs playing on the road. We're all going to ACC territory, and I just don't see any team out there that his that his program can flourish. I can't see him going to Colorado and trying to run this system, and and you know unless you know unless something happens to Ohio State where. He retires and they go after Coach Babers. I just don't see him leaving, guys. Yeah, and and listen, um, based on what we know presently, I would agree with that. If Ohio or if uh, USC rather opens, you know, we we thought there was a strong possibility. They're saying they're keeping keeping Clay Helton. Let's see if that actually happens. But then, what happens next year if USC has a rough year and then they do fire Clay Helton and and you know Dino Babers continues to win at Syracuse? That is, like, listen, that has to be an. It, in a, an attractive job for him, right? I mean, it has to be. He's a West Coast guy. He grew up in Hawaii, went to Hawaii, anybody. you know, coached at UCLA and Arizona. And I mean, he's he's a, a, a guy who spent most of his career in the West and in the South. Um, that has to be an attractive job. I'm not saying he's leaving for it, but it would be hard to say no to USC. For anybody. Right. So just because he likes it here, I mean, Doug Rowe liked it here, but the NFL called, you know? And and one more thing about the Greg Robinson uh, hire. Um, my point was, yes, it was a disaster from the start, the way they went about it. But when they hired him, it wasn't like Syracuse was a bad job. I mean, they got a guy. I mean, I remember his introductory press conference. Like it was yesterday. He's flashing his Super Bowl ring. I was going to ask, did he just like throw the rings out on he the had, Yeah, he was wearing it. He was wearing it. And he was showing it around. And awesome. it wasn't like he was a nobody, is my point. Is they got right. a guy who had been to Super Bowls and was showing his ring off at the introductory press conference and had a plan and had been at Texas and you know he knew how to win national titles as an assistant, knew how to win Super Bowls as an assistant, but it wasn't like he was a nobody. Just because you hire a guy with great credentials doesn't mean he's going to be successful. We do need to take a time out. If you're on hold, stay on hold. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. We're brought to you in part by Charles Heating and Air, 315-437-7644. Back to the phone lines we go. Brendan in Manlius up next on the show. Thanks for waiting, Brendan. How are you today? No problem, guys. Good. How are you doing? Good. 
Good. I got a, I'm going to think about this from an optimistic point of view. I got a couple thoughts about why I think Coach Babers will ultimately stay. I want to see what you guys thought. Okay. Your point about Willie Taggart and Bobby Petrino, I think, are exactly why I believe Coach Babers is going to end up staying here. Obviously, Bobby Petrino was thought highly enough as a coach in college to end up getting an NFL job. Didn't work out well, as we all know, but next thing you know, he's completely out of the job at the college level. And then somebody like Willie Taggart, who's highly thought of, comes into Florida State. I think I heard rumors that they had a GoFundMe page to get him fired halfway through his first season being the Florida State coach. My point is, I think that Coach Babers sees what he's creating here at Syracuse. I think he's the kind of guy, in my opinion, and I don't know him at all, but in my opinion, based on what I, how I see him carry himself, he wants to create a legacy here. I think he wants to create a legacy at Syracuse University, and I think he thinks that's within his grasp. Whereas if you go get a job and go for the cash grab, and there's nothing wrong with that, I would never you know, look down on somebody for going after you know, a financial situation to help their family out, but I think he sees what's happening around the country. Places like USC, like you guys have mentioned, they're not going to allow any coach, let alone somebody like Coach Babers, give him two or three years to try to get this back up and running. I mean, he's probably thinking to himself, yeah, I can go take that job, make a lot more money, but I could very conceivably be fired after my second year, and then where am I? Whereas if he stays at Syracuse, and don't get me wrong, we got to open up the checkbook. we got to pay him. And I think that John Wildhack, although he didn't make that hire, he's well aware of what happened the last time we uh, got, or a coach left or got rid of a coach with Coach P. Obviously, he was let go. And then the Greg Robinson era happened. I think they're well aware of that. I think they have to open up their, their checkbooks. But I think that ultimately uh, Coach Babers is very comfortable here at Syracuse, and I think that he sees that he can create something and go down as one of the best coaches in this program's history. Appreciate checking in, Brendan. Um, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, and I will say this about USC. While it's a very attractive job, as you and I uh, both know, Seth, we, you're just you know, another guy who takes that job. Yeah, and we looked at the numbers not that long ago. They, the, the salaries are essentially the same. What Clay Helton's making there, what Dino Babers is making here, surprisingly, are they're they're very comparable. And more importantly, you know what what Brendan said ties back to what we were ta- what we started the show talking about, which is is nine and three the exception or the rule? Can you consistently win eight or nine games? And if you can win eight or nine games consistently here at Syracuse, you're you're going to be pretty safe. Uh, not only are you going to be pretty safe, you're going to be remembered for a long time. You're going to build a pretty good legacy if you can win eight or nine games a year here consistently and, and just do that year in and year out. Um, you know, that that's not going to get you fired here. Eight or nine wins a year. That's not. You're saying if you go somewhere else to a big program, eight might not be good enough. Right. Right, I mean, Lane some of the people Kiffin, at Florida State Lane were Kiffin upset with Jimbo fired. Fisher. Yeah. Lane Kiffin got fired for a plus five hundred record at USC, and I know there's other stuff. Jimbo Fisher was was gladly shown the door right. for for what he did at Florida State. Like, it, it's I I know I said this a lot last year. Like, grass isn't always greener when, when you're looking around, and and you know if you win eight or nine games here, you're like you're here forever, man. Like <laughs> the way this program was for the fifteen years before you got here. Like if you win eight or nine games a year, like you're here, you're you're in. But is that what Dino Babers wants? Like, is is eight wins a year enough, or no. does he want to shoot for the stars? And you know, does he feel like he can win enough here and you know go far enough here, opposed to going to a, a bigger name program like a brand name program like USC? We keep saying USC because the, you know it's That's quite possible one. that that job might be open you know within the next twelve months. So can he win enough here uh, to be happy and and to be satisfied? 
And I guess that's why, for me anyway, this season has been eye-opening because I didn't think... Because it's proven that he can. Like, if they win the bowl game, they're 10-3. and three, And I know I know we all know that. I just I need to say it out loud. Because if they're gonna, they could be 10-3. And three, and, and they could finish in the top 15 in the country. And, and I it, did not think this was possible, at least this soon, yeah. as you put as you it out. And, and again, Steve, I, I know I brought this up yesterday, but... Your four non-conference games are Liberty, Holy Cross, Maryland, and Western Michigan. Your four road games next year, Duke, NC State, Louisville, Florida State. Okay. Uh, your four home games next year, Pitt, Boston College, Wake, and Clemson. Okay. I mean, you could be 10-2 and two again. Yes. That's my point. That, that is exactly my point. Like, this is, ve- like, to me, when you look at the opponents next year and where these games shake out, this feels sustainable. Whether that is sustainable for one year or three years or five years or ten years, I don't know. But it definitely is next year. Like, it definitely feels like you can keep doing this for at least another year. And once you do that, again, now you're piling up seasons. You're piling up wins. You're piling up recruits. You're going into new high schools. You're going into new living rooms and saying, hey, look what we're building. We are that team behind Clemson. We're the only ones in the ACC that's given Clemson a good fight over the last three seasons now at this point. And you know what? Come be a part of it. Like that, then you change. Like that's that's how you grow and change a program. You've got to go through those crap years. You've got to go through, you know, a, a transitional year. And it, and it seems like Syracuse just skipped that part and got straight to the winning. Well, the transitional year was supposed to be last year, and then Dungey got hurt. Remember, sure, it was second year, weeks four through six, and then Dungey got hurt, and things went downhill. So yeah, you're right. They did they did skip they the transitional it. year. They just went to winning big. I'll take that. Even if last year was the transitional year, you're supposed to be bad for more than a year with a new coach. Like when you're when you are where they were, you're supposed to yeah. be bad for more than one year. It's been a remarkable turnaround, and you're right. It it does look like they'll be able to keep it going into next season. We do need to get back on time. 315-437-7644. We do want to remind you about Central New York's number one holiday tradition. Enjoy two miles of memories with your family at Lights on the Lake. The drive-thru is already open. It runs through Sunday, January 6th. We're going to give away uh, one free pass right now. Fourth caller at 315-437-7644. It's Wegmans Lights on the Lake presented by the Syracuse area Honda dealers and upstate Golisano Children's Hospital. Fourth caller, go to Lights on the Lake on us. We're back after this.